The time is approximately 6.30 p.m. It's the end of the offshore workday. The place is offshore, West Africa. The situation is as follows. A brand new, fully outfitted drill ship is engaged in regular offshore operations. The ship's modern and thoughtful amenities include facilities like gyms and saunas to make its crew as comfortable as possible during their month-long hitches. Offshore life seems pleasant until those same amenities become the source of the emergency. This is Legacy Survival Stories. Legacy Survival Stories. Welcome to Episode 6 of Legacy Survival Stories. My name is Dan Latramoy and I'll be your host. On today's show, we welcome back lifetime mariner and fully ticketed offshore installation manager, Mark Carew. While setting up for this interview, Mark and I got to swapping stories and talking about some offshore experiences. So we will take you right into the beginning of Mark's story about a serious incident that occurred while Mark was in charge of an offshore facility in Africa. We're talking about human behavior before, during, and then after an emergency. So just let me set the stage. It is a brand new drill ship, and I sailed it from Korea down to uh, Cape Town, South Africa, up the west coast of Africa, and we're there working. All right, so you're in West Africa West then? West Africa. Yeah. All right. Um, so guys are outside, they're working, and they're tired. We have a sauna on this one. A sauna on a drill drill ship. So, folks, uh, back home, uh, when they tell you that they're out there working what they call on the the iron prison and paid prison, and they got all kinds of word for working offshore, you just remember that it's not all as bad as they make it sound to be, as uh, Mark describes uh, the sauna on his drill ship. So, sauna was was a great number. (laughs) And uh, so, so here's the story. So, because it's a sauna, people in bare feet and whatever else, you know, what goes on in a sauna. I asked the catering people to be um, very I, I, particular. I thought I knew what went on in a sauna, but now I'm kind of wondering. <laughs> but okay, so you got a sauna. All right. Yeah, so we got a sauna. I asked them, make sure there's no bacteria. We don't want to get people with fungus or whatever happens in a sauna. So see, please pay particular attention to the cleanliness of this sauna. Okay, sure. Saunas are wet, moist, yucky places, you know, and there's, but the smell is beautiful. Have you ever been in a new sauna and you get that cedar the, type that smell? Wood, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, the heated thing. wood, yeah. yeah. So we have this sauna. Everyone's loving it. But right outside the door of the sauna, there is a heat detector. Right outside the door. Okay, so uh, for the folks back home, a heat detector on an oil and gas platform, it's not sort of like the smoke detector in, in, in your house. Uh, it's its uh, something like that, but to a degree that's almost unimaginable because you can't have fires on an oil and gas platform. That's it right. would be absolutely catastrophic. Right. So you've got a heat sensor right outside what is on purpose a fairly hot room. That's right. So in the computer logic that we have, if one sensor goes off, there's an alarm goes on the bridge and we send someone to investigate if two sensors go off at the same time it's a called a confirmed fire it goes immediately to alarm and everyone musters okay so the computer then sort of decides whether this needs to go uh, should somebody just go check it out or do we need to actually immediately go to alarm right right so it happens frequently and so the alarm goes on the bridge the guys up on the bridge it becomes a nuisance nuisance so this 
this heat sensor that's outside the sauna, yep. which of course is a hot room, is constantly setting off this heat sensor up in the bridge, yep. and they're getting annoyed. And they send someone to go look, and it's, oh yeah, Johnny's in the, in the sauna, he's got the steam going on the rocks there, and oh yeah, he opened up the door. So this goes on and on and on. So it became a habit to isolate the heat detector outside of the sauna. And to do that, you go into the computer and you isolate it so that it does not uh, go into the system. Okay, so functionally, the heat sensor is still there, but you're telling the computer to ignore it? Exactly. Okay. Which is wrong. Yo, this, this, I can, this is wrong. Yeah, this is setting the tone. But, <laughs> but human behavior, it happened over and over and over. And I don't blame the guys for being, like we get so many false alarms on a ship or a rig, so many, and you just get so tired of it. So they decide, okay, it's uh, shift time. We work 12 to 12. So around 11, I think they used to put the isolation on and take it off around 3. That was kind of what they did. I didn't know that. So back up to the catering people. So here they are. The sauna is cold. And the, one of the catering people goes in, and she's doing an awesome job cleaning this thing. And so she was cleaning the bench, and it, the sauna came with a, a cedar bucket with a plastic lining and a ladle, a wooden ladle. So this is the bucket where you sort of put the rocks and stuff No, in, the or? bucket was to take water and you take the, the ladle and you have the hot rocks and you dump a little bit of water on the rocks and psh, it makes this big beautifuls and you get this hit by heavy steam. So it's not a steam, it was actually a dry sauna, but that's what came with it and that's what the boys were doing. <laughs> so once again, human behavior. So this lady goes in to clean the sauna and it's cold. So like not in use for a long time. So she needs to clean the benches. So she takes the bucket and places it on top of the lava rock. Dun, dun, dun. But there's, there's no heat there. Okay. She's not really doing anything wrong at this point. Okay. She, she's just placing it there because she needs to get in there and use some elbow grease to get that thing clean. She does her job and she forgets the bucket on the lava rock. Okay. Fast forward about maybe six hours. The guys are getting off shift. They're talking all along. Hey, would you like to get in the sauna? Yeah, I'm having a hard day, man. I'm going to get in that sauna. I'm going to be, you know, using that sauna today. So what do they do an hour before shift to make sure it's ready for when they get off? One of the guys goes down, turns on the timer on the sauna and turns it on and walks away. What he wanted it preheated so that when he got off, he didn't have to wait for it to heat up. Which sounds reasonable enough. Yeah. He didn't look inside. I'm guessing he didn't check anything. He didn't look inside. All of a sudden, the bucket catches on fire. And the bucket is lined with plastic. And the smoke detector is isolated. And the fire really happens. And nothing is going on. So here we have bypassed the safety function, the safety device. We have had, you know, one of us should have picked up in our assessments that that could have happened. You know, that you could place some something up on top of those hot lava coals and the thing is isolated. So the fire brews and it's that nice cedar smell that we were talking about. <laughs> it catches fire. So it's not until the smoke moves outwards past the zone of where, you know, the sauna is and all the alarms start going up. So this would be in the accommodation space? Inside, it's a kind of a, um, accommodation. It's above the bow thruster, which is about 60 feet below, but it's, it's in an area. There's not a lot of flammable stuff in there, but it's, 
the sauna is a flammable. Where, where's the next closest sensor? So you, 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 your, 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 your workers have bypassed the primary safety yeah, for this yeah. thing. Where's the next closest sensor? Like how I, far would this small? I don't remember. Go? It wouldn't have been too, too far, uh, 30 feet away. Down the hall kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, down the hall, something like that. So by the time this thing, the smoke reaches down the hall, uh, it's fully engaged. You know, we have some stuff going on, so we muster. And the smoke fills up all of the accommodation because it is, uh, you know, people open up doors and the, the, the fire doors are held open by electromagnets and they close when you when you have an, an alarm. But anyway, air goes to smoke up into your cabin D combination. So, and for, uh, again, for the folks back home, on, a, on an oil and gas installation, regardless of whether it's a ship or a platform or whatever, the typical procedure when there's an alarm would be, and and I'm sort of asking Mark here, that alarm sounds and people would go to a muster station that is in the accommodation. That's right. In fact, it's almost always the galley. That's right. right. Yeah, or the mess room. So here, these doors are spring-loaded and they're held open by an electromagnet. And how it works is that when the alarm goes off in that area, the power is interrupted to the electromagnet, the spring closes the door, and you now have a fire barrier. Okay, so this is meant to reduce the spread of fire. That's so right. these, these are fire doors. Fire doors. But before that got the alarm, there was smoke, and it went on up into the accommodations. And that's where we didn't know. That's where we ended up sending people. So on a ship, you have a primary muster station. A muster, if you don't know what a muster is, it, it's just a gathering where you go to gather in the event of an emergency on a ship. So when the alarm sounds, you have a place to go, and that's the place. That's right. The muster station is the place you're supposed yeah, to go. Yeah, but you also have an alternate that you would go, and it's usually outside of the accommodation somewhere else. But once again, we're all like sheep and cows. We drilled and drilled and drilled, and the people who go to the galley went to the galley, went to the mess room, even though we made an announcement to go to your alternate muster are station. They, are they walking through smoke to get there? Well, they're just walking, and they're complaining. Why are we coming in here with all this? But they keep on walking. So everyone's <laughs> kind of walking in and breathing in the smoke, and finally someone calls up and says, this is not a good idea to muster in here. There's There's smoke everywhere so then once again what happened we had the, the person who was cleaning the sauna she wasn't negligent really she was doing her job at the time the the lava was cold and she put the bucket there but she forgot the boys on the bridge through repetitive nuisance alarms decided to make their life easier and let's be proactive on that and let's uh, isolate the alarm for a couple of hours so that we don't have to be running down there. The guy who turned the sauna on, uh, he was just tired and cold and wanted to, to do his thing, turn on the sauna, and he walked away. Um, but the combination of everything together. Yeah, no one thing is right. the problem. Yeah. It's the things adding up all together, mm. the sequence of events. So after, once again, you get the fire out, it, it wasn't no, so much, it was fire, but mostly smoke. Um, so And no one was hurt, and everything went well. People did their job everything got done. So once again, you have a safety stand down and you ask the questions. Why, why did anyone put the bucket on the, well, it wasn't hot when I did it. Okay, fair enough. Um, cause she wasn't thinking in the future. She was probably focused on her job. Why was the sensor? Well, it was just went off over and over and over. The next question is, well, why didn't you look inside when you turned the sun on to see if there was anyone in there? Oh, well, there was no one in there. It was off shift and just turned it on. So, Collectively, how many mistakes were made? Well, right? at, le at least three. Lots, lots. 
So when you look back at these things, you obviously have to learn. You have to debrief. You have to talk about it. You have to put procedures in place. And obviously the first thing was no one's allowed to isolate anything unless it comes through me. Um, now, normally isolations on a, on a ship or a rig is a permit to work process. But this sometimes if a smoke detector goes off, um, the guys will uh, um, isolate it while they're sending someone to investigate so that the whole ship doesn't go into false alarm. So we had to adapt our procedures. We had to remove the bucket, obviously. Well, there was no sauna at the end of it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but there was never going to ever, ever be a bucket in that sauna again. Um, but it came, it came with the ship. That's what, No one put it there. It just came with the ship. Someone had an idea to put a wooden bucket f with a ladle for water on a dry sauna. Like a lot of bad ideas and, here. And, and, I, and, and we did say earlier that we were not going to have any terrible, sad, harrowing stories. But I feel like we've hit one here because you didn't have a sauna after that no <laughs> no so the rig manager eventually we say to him hey, uh, you know months later um do you think in the budget we could get a new sauna wouldn't talk about it no, no i'm not talking about it <laughs> wouldn't bring that one up at <laughs> no and and then i was afraid to even talk about it ever again so we went on that ship with no sauna the rest of the time i think it was on there a couple of years so oh that's too bad that's too mm. bad but i am glad to hear that no one was hurt or injured i i am fascinated by the people functionally walking through smoke to get yeah, to a muster yeah. area complaining about the smoke in the muster area you've trained people exactly. to, to do a certain thing which is usually yeah. the right thing but yeah. if there's a little bit of a like just a little thing gets changed right. in there somewhere and all of a sudden that compromises the whole procedure so human behavior like common sense could have prevailed but because we have drilled so these drills that were so back to the drill thing you have it once a month or you can have it you can have it every day if you want but in the offshore we have it every week and we are very precise and we're we go through every space on board the ship and we have an assessment for every space on the ship and the Guy, everyone's trained, but we maybe if we do it too much, people just wake up out of bed, walk like it, zombies to where they normally go. It's almost ironic. You say you mentioned common sense earlier, and you, you don't want to leave it to common sense. You want to give them a procedure that this is what you should That's do. Right. The only problem with that is if there's a slight change. Now you need that common exactly. sense, but you've trained it out of them. You've, you've so from then on, the announcement had to be, and we drilled. Alternate. We drilled alternate, but un I have to admit, before that we didn't drill alternate. We it's on the station bill. Everyone knows that that's where you go if the accommodation is on fire or if you have H2S or something like that. So once again, we can change our modify modify our procedures, and we learn from it. And thank goodness that no one was injured. So I'll I'll ask the question then, even though I think you've already kind of answered it. Go back and tell me, what would you do different? And I'm going to guess the answer is practice that muster at the alternate station before the event. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And to not only, we did it once in a while, say once every couple of months. And if you happen to not be on the ship when that happened, you might have missed that event. You know, you might have been home when we did that alternate drill. So that's one thing we did. Um, and we had to reinforce an, an, a secondary and a tertiary backup a uh, place to go to muster second thing we did was we really cracked down on the permit to work and the isolations so then i had to make a standing order and standing order from a captain is pretty much 
what's going to happen. And it's written down, and all the officers have to sign it, stating that they have read this. And, and, they, when, and they acknowledge and it. And they acknowledge so it. So you can't pretend you didn't you hear. You can't do that. So, and then the isolation, even for nuisance alarms, was not allowed to happen. As a result, we had lots of false alarms. So now you got people a little angry, but once again, the captain is never really um, uh, popular at all. No. He, you, you you can't, the, the coach of the team is usually right. not that popular. That's right. And then the third thing was, well, you know, like you just said, they have to change it, change it up and not have drills at the same time. Got to have them in the nighttime. No one likes them in the nighttime, three o'clock in the morning. Super, Everyone super hates Super unpopular, it. I you can gotta imagine. Ha- you got to do it because if you have it all the same time, all the time, people are just going to keep doing what they're doing. So in the oil business, and especially the guys on the drill floor, they work hard. They, at the end of four weeks... They're, they're beat, completely beat. And by me pulling an alarm three o'clock in the morning, which is halfway through their shift of sleeping, yeah, that's not very popular. But what's the alternative? What just happened? Yeah, the uh, two two scenarios that you've described yeah. where where nothing horrible did happen, but it certainly could yeah, have. Yeah, certainly could have. Uh, that's fantastic, Mark. That's uh, another incredible story. Uh, great, um, uh, great examples of of human behavior, even in an industry that probably sets the standard uh, um, globally for 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 being safe and for right, right. and for overkilling procedures. And you yep. mentioned permits to work and all that, and uh, and even there. Um, Sometimes the procedures are not perfect, and it only takes a little bit, a little, little tiny mistake here, a little change yep. of things over there, and then you got the potential for a real problem. You, you've seen that Swiss cheese picture? Yes, the Swiss cheese so, model. It's a Swiss cheese model. So if you if you don't know what that is, if you take out a slice of Swiss cheese, like a small slice, it will have holes in it. And if you take out another slice of Swiss cheese, the holes are not really the same because they're made by bubbles in the cheese. And you put another one and another one. But if something happens and the holes all line up, that's what the incident would be. So not only one thing has to happen, but two and three and four things have to happen for that emergency to happen. If one of those Swiss cheeses was moved an inch, that incident would have stopped. Yeah, would have caught it. Would have caught it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for uh, joining us on the show today, Mark. Uh, uh, we uh, Hopefully one day we'll uh, have you back here on uh, Legacy Survival Stories. Uh, you've been a fantastic, interesting guest. <laughs> and uh, as you noted, you've got uh, dozens of stories, hundreds maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'd uh, love to have you back here sometime on Legacy Survival Stories if yeah. you're game for it. I enjoyed it. It's great. And uh, good luck with this. I, I'm looking forward to listening to the different podcasts you produce. Excellent. Thanks so much, Mark. Okay. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and almost anywhere you can find podcasts. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and help us move up the charts with a five-star rating. We like comments and reviews, so we'd love to hear from you. If you've got an interesting story, or think you know someone who'd make a great guest on the show, please reach out to us at LegacySurvivalStories, all one word, at gmail.com. You can also find us at LegacySurvivalStories.Buzzsprout.com Legacy Survival Stories